Uh, all right, we're going to hop right into the word today. And uh, we're still talking about the consecrated life. Now, next week, we've got uh, a, a true blessing. We have, uh, we have, and see if I can remember her name is Anna Spiegel. And, and I remember because, because her family rocks an awesome catalog full of great product. Spiegel, pro, no, that's how I remember her name. Uh, Anna Spiegel, who is uh, 17 years on the mission field, uh, has been used in a great way in North Africa and all over Europe, all, all over on the mission field. And she is in town. She's a dear friend of Kate and J.J. Jordan. And so uh, she's going to be here uh, uh, to, to not only she's going to help sing, uh, but she's also going to bring the word next week. And then the week after, the week after, for all the men that have to miss out on the women's retreat, never fear because Pastor Shekinah Schwartz will actually be here to preach as well on that Sunday. And everyone is going to be blessed by her. Trust me, she is, she's very anointed. She's very dangerous. You don't want to miss her, right? Uh, but she has a passion for the Word of God. Uh, this week, we're going to continue on our Consecrated Life series, The Consecrated Life. And I want to talk to us about sacred service. Sacred service, okay? Now, just to remind you of what one of our key verses, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. If you've missed the last two weeks, I encourage you to go back to gatheringviridian.org, click on the podcast link, listen to, to the last two weeks. Uh, it'll get you caught up on what we're talking about because God is leading our fellowship to live a consecrated life. What does that mean? First of all, according to Joshua, you have to consecrate yourself. I can't consecrate you. You can't consecrate me, but we, you have to consecrate yourselves. Why do you want to do that? Because God is doing amazing things among you. God's doing amazing things constantly. He doesn't do amazing things because we consecrate ourselves. He does amazing things because he's an amazing God and he's pouring out love because he is love. He's doing what we deem as the miraculous is really the norm for him. He is doing his God things. And in order for us to be aware, you know, we could go through life full of blessings and complain the whole time, have no clue what God's doing around us. But in order to be aware of what God is up to around us and to participate with that, then it's a consecrated life that we have to live. We have to consecrate it. Why? Because through consecration, we become aware of what God is doing. Now, just to kind of uh, remind you, uh, the word consecrate on the surface means to set aside for a holy purpose. I'm setting this time aside for you, Lord. I'm setting these finances aside for you. I'm setting this work aside for you, for, for, for you to, to, to do as you please. That means that you make it holy to the Lord. If you want to dive deeper into it, the word consecrate you break it down, uh, con in the Latin means with, sacrate means sacred. So you're doing something with sacredness. The word sacred at its core actually means that which is purified with divinity. That's what we've been learning about. If you're going to do something that is sacred, you are doing it with God. You have invited him into whatever aspect of life you're, you're participating in. And that it becomes purified with his presence, not by his presence. Understand that, but with his presence. That means that, uh, and, and I compared it to, you know, if we want to clean the windows, uh, 
uh, you, we would use, say, Windex and, and come in and you say, man, that window's really clean. That sure is a clean window. Well, you could say, well, yeah, Windex, man, Windex did the trick. Or you could say, yeah, I cleaned it just last night. But the truth is, is you cleaned it with Windex. You did your part, Windex did its part. And that's what happens with consecration. God doesn't want to just do something alone. He wants to do it with you. He wants to participate with what you are doing. That's the essence of consecration. If you're going to live a consecrated life, that means every aspect of your life, he has been invited into. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Talk to him constantly about everything. You'll be surprised. He'll talk back. When you begin to consecrate your life, you'll start becoming aware of his presence, aware of his direction, aware of his opinion over some of the most minute things. Do you really think God's worried about what I'm going to do with this and that? Sure, he'll give you his opinion. That's why he put the Holy Spirit in you. So he, the Holy Spirit said, I'm only going to speak what I hear the Father say about you. He's the, a direct line to what the Father says. And it's all part of learning to live this consecrated life. So today we're going to talk about sacred service, serving in the kingdom of God. One of the most sacred things you can do is serve people. Matter of fact, Jesus said this, that pure religion, pure religion isn't attending church, isn't singing certain songs. It's not even paying your tithe and being faithful to Bible study. Pure religion is taking care of the widows and orphans. Now, back in the day, if, uh, you know, women didn't hold jobs like they do now. So if you were a widow, uh, not only did you lose your husband, you lost your income. You know, you, you were up the creek. If you were an orphan, you know, they didn't have child protective services, right? So if you were an orphan, uh, folks didn't necessarily want to take care of you and take you in all the time because you weren't their heir. They were really big about, no, everything I have, I will be passing on to an heir. You know, I don't want to take some of that and give to somebody who's not my heir. So orphans, they had it hard. In other words, if, if we want to translate it to our modern society today, and praise God, we do have uh, organizations and agencies that can, protect, that, that can take care of widows and orphans as well. But, but ultimately, the spirit of that is true religion is serving those, loving those, taking care of those who have no chance of ever repaying you. In other words, it's the heart of the matter. To serve without the expectancy of getting something back. That's pure religion. Why? Because you are loving like God loves. God is love. Say, so, well, when we do this, God loves us. No, God is love. He just loves. Whether we return the love or not, he just loves. It rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody gets the blessings of rain. Whether, whether you live a just life or an unjust life. One of my favorite poems talks about, uh, after all this time, the sun has never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what a love like that can do. It brightens up the whole sky. What a beautiful thought. That is the essence of sacred service. Knowing that as I serve others, 
without the expectancy of ever receiving anything in return, you bring God into it. Why? Because you're starting to love like him. You are sharing God love. Unconditional love. It's pretty powerful. Now, I want to I suggest this, and I'm going to be speaking to a particular spirit and mindset that is running prevalent throughout, I believe, all Christianity, especially modern-day Christianity. And, and uh, it, it's, it's a corrective word. It's a, it's a, I've, I really prayed about this message uh, because I, I know it's going to bug some people. And I don't like bugging people. I want to just love people. I'm big huggy Dave, right? Uh, but, but if you'll let me be pastoral for a few moments, I believe we need to address a mindset, a spirit that, that has permeated uh, modern-day Western Christianity for decades. And, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God. So we're just going to take some of our thoughts and stick them on the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit uh, uh, carve His Word and His pattern into us. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, here at, at, at Gathering Church in our fellowship, we're very prayerful and very intentional of we, we don't ever want to manipulate people, guilt people into trying to serve in a capacity or, or you know, when it comes to giving financially, we, we don't really spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, there have been times that we've taught on it uh, and it is a very biblical principle, but at the same time, we just trust God that he's going to take care of us financially. When it comes to, uh, time to serve in our community, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or just the greater community or, or even here in Viridian, we trust God that he's going to bring the people together. But, but he, he revealed something to me uh, that, you know, he, going into this year, he said, I'm, I'm wanting to grow a church. I'm wanting to evolve and grow and mature a church. And I honestly believe that this is one of the paths to spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, as well as numeric growth. The Lord will add to us as he sees fit, okay? And we can find it right here in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, you know, this, this passage is no stranger to us. We've talked about it uh, for several years now. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, right? Here are the gifts. And we talked, about, we talked about these gifts over the summer. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So uh, what, what would be deemed as the five-fold ministry. You'll hear a lot of folks call it the five-fold ministries. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are gifts to the church. So some of them are preachers, but it doesn't mean that those who operate in these gifts, many of you operate in these gifts. You may never don a microphone in a stage, but you still operate in these gifts, right? But most preachers, whether they're traveling preachers, whether they're pastors, will fall into these categories in some ways, right? So it says that these are gifts to the church. Verse 12, their responsibility is to, so they've got responsibilities, right? They're to what? Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, 
here's modern Christianity mindset and concept. I'm going to get myself out of bed. I'm going to show up to church and preacher, I need you to get up and preach a sermon that is going to equip me. And I need you to preach a sermon that's going to build me up. Because if I show up to church enough, consistently enough, and I hear you preach and you preach the word to me, I will mature. That's wrong. It's wrong. We're incorrect in that mindset. How does the body of Christ get built up? Well, when the preacher does his job, the body of Christ gets built up. No. When the saints do their job, the body of Christ gets built up. Look at this. The job of all the preachers, right? Preachers, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, all those guys and ladies. Their job is to equip the saint, to equip God's people for two things. Two things. We always look at the first thing and then we associate the second thing back to the preachers, right? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So if the work of God is going to be done, it is going to be done by God's people. If the body of Christ is going to be built up, it's going to be through God's people. And our modern day mindset is, well, no, we've, we've got a staff. The staff needs to do their job so that I can be built up, so I can mature. Look at what Paul says. When God's people start serving, doing sacred service, or doing the work of God, and start building each other up, this will continue. He said, hey, this is going to keep going on until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So when the fivefold ministry equips the saints to do the work of God and to build each other up, that process is going to keep going until we come into such unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Now, unity of faith doesn't mean that you're theologically going to agree in unison with every single person in the house. What it means is you, you come into such unity in faith. That's, that's belief, right? Belief in God. Belief in his covenant that he made originally through Abraham that we're grafted into via Christ. And that covenant is, if you just trust me, you hear me say it all the time, if you just trust me and follow me, leave everything else and follow me, I will make you a great nation, I will multiply you, I'll make you profitable, I will take care of you, I'll bless those that bless you, I'll curse those that curse you, and you will prosper and multiply and be blessed amongst all the nations. And we are, we're part of that covenant that all of our needs are met according to his riches and glory, that he's going to take care of you. When you start learning to walk by faith, can you imagine if an entire church, every member of the church kept building each other up and serving the Lord, doing the work of God, doing sacred service to the point that every single person was so full of faith 
We would eradicate depression. <laughs> we would eradicate anxiety. We would eradicate uh, needless anger and divisions. Why? Because we're all living by faith. When you live by faith, those things don't become your lifestyle. Anxiety, depression, fear, worry, confusion, division, anger, that doesn't become your lifestyle. You may have to battle a moment of it, but faith and peace snaps you back. Why? It's the fight of faith. It doesn't become your lifestyle. Why? Because faith is your lifestyle. That's maturity in the Lord. Maturity in the Lord is when you learn to trust him in all things. Then all of a sudden you don't worry. You don't freak out. You may have a moment. You may have a human moment, but you don't no longer have a day. <laughs> you no longer have a bad week. You just have a bad moment, right? And faith ultimately wins. So, so maturity, watch this. So when the saints begin to serve and do their work and build each other up, all of a sudden they're going to come into such unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That sounds like some, some good maturity, right? You're not going to be tossed back and forth just by somebody being able to speak really good. You're not going to be drug over here, drug over there. You ever notice that that's, that seems to be the condition of the American church? Well, we're going to attend over here now. Why? Well, because, man, this guy really preaches awesome. He preaches awesome. You know, and man, he's preaching awesome. That means I can grow under him. I can mature. Well, no, Paul just got through saying that you're going to mature when you realize that you've been equipped to do some service, some sacred service, and you start building up your brothers and sisters. You start encouraging them. That's when you're going to mature. Well, no, I thought I matured when the preachers get up and start preaching really good. No, that's, that's a mindset. And Jesus even had to deal with that mindset. We're going to get to that in a second. But what Paul is trying to teach is the same thing James taught. Faith. It's all right to have faith. Have faith. But put some works with it. Trust in God. But start walking it out. Maturity happens at the application point. We can all show up and get preached to. We can all attend Bible study and dive in. But until we start serving, until we start finding our capacity and what the Lord has us to do, serving may mean serving somehow within the fellowship of the church that God has you attending. Serving may mean serving on the job. One of the ways that I had sacred service, I, I've, always, I've always been involved in church in some way, but for over 20 years, my job became sacred service. I worked in television, in Christian television, and for over 20 years, I cut together a show that was providing mission relief efforts for, for kids who were hungry uh, across the world, clean water wells for people that needed clean water. 
uh, orphanages and rescuing folks from uh, human trafficking. Uh, and so, so for 20 years, that became my service. I, I knew that that's where God had me serving, and I made career decisions out of it. I could have been further along in my television career, probably making more money had I gone to work someplace else. But for over 20 years, God had me serving in that capacity, and that's how I treated it. I am serving. It was sacred service. I brought God into every show that I cut together. So I don't, I, I can't tell you where your niche is. I can't tell you where in the body you're to work. Now, now watch what happens when the body keeps working together. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly, right? As each part does its own special work. Now, which part? Each part. When each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Wait a minute. No, I thought we grow when the preacher starts really getting cool sermons. I thought we grow when the praise team really starts hitting on the way that we know that they can hit. I thought we really start growing when the coffee shop's brewing like awesome coffee for the church. I mean, man, I miss having coffee. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that misses. I don't know, man. I love coffee. So, oh, hey, Hal misses it too. I don't know. We'll see. We're getting on the we're getting on the backside of COVID. Maybe we can figure out some coffee. Um, now, I'm not I'm not dissing churches. Please don't think I'm not running any church down. But there's just this mindset that we're missing the point. We show up to church and we say, "Feed me." Come on, you want me to grow? Bring it. Bring it. When what Paul is saying, no, you grow and you mature and you stop being a child in Christ when you actually just start serving people. It's sacred service. When you start serving people, when you start impacting your neighbors, maybe ser serving people may just be opening your house up and inviting some of your neighbors in and say, hey, come on over tonight and eat. I want to pray with you. I wanted to get to know you. I want to hear your story. I want to share my story with you. I want to share my testimony with you. That may be service. Service could be as simple as uh, Bode. I don't know if you're watching. I'm about to brag on you. Bode Alatunde. Man, I love that man. He's my brother in the Lord. And I'm honored. He calls on me every week, checks on me, prays over me. And, and a lot of Sunday mornings, you'll see him out, and he's all hooded up. Next door is even reported. Who's this hooded man walking around the neighborhood with a trash bag? What kind of migrant is running around the neighborhood? Well, it turns out it's Bode Alatunde, and he's out for a morning walk, and he takes a trash bag with him, and he picks up trash because he wants to leave the neighborhood in better shape than it was whenever he took off on his walk. And then guess what else he does a lot of Sundays? As he's making his round, he stops in here, parks his trash bag outside the door, comes in here while we're all trying to get the stage set up. And, you know, hey, these old planks are kind of heavy. And so he, like, helps us get them all down. And then so that Pastor Dave don't, like, do the splits, you know, and, like, the stage separates, we have these little C-clamps down here, right, up under the stage. And he gets down on this cold, hard floor, and he screws in those C-clamps for us a lot of Sundays. 
so that we can think about other things. David Lamprecht and the crew can start working on other things. I came in last Sunday. He's laying down. I was picking on him. I said, said Bode's always laying, laying down on the job. And with such incredible joy. I said, well, that sounds horrible. Well, maybe God's not calling you to do that. But what he, but what he did, he told me, he goes, man, he goes, this is awesome. I don't have to think, because he's a banker. He said, I don't have to think about numbers. I don't think I have to think about percentages and calculations. All I have to do is lay down and twist this thing. He said, man, I'm living the dream. What was he doing? He's serving. It's sacred service. He's invited God, and God's brought joy into it. You know, we've got things, uh, you know, every month here at Gathering Church, we offer ways to serve, not just here in our fellowship, but we offer ways to serve within the community and ways to serve the greater community. There's, so so if, if you're like, well, I, where, where can I serve? Oh, we got places for you to serve. But maybe God's calling you to serve. You know, the body of Christ is bigger than just our fellowship. Maybe the Lord's calling you to serve in other ways, other capacities. Say, well, how, how am I being equipped? Well, right now we're equipping you with faith. That's what we preach around here a lot. Trust God. If you'll trust God, he's going to lead the way for you. Trust me. You know? I don't know what need is going to crop up in your life that you're going to serve, but the Holy Spirit does, and he's going to prepare you with the word of God that you're getting into. If you're, if you're reading the Bible in a year, stick with it. If you say, well, I've already fallen behind, just pick up where you left off. Let's get this word in us this year, okay? So, so growth, and I say this because I can't tell you how many times, this is 38 years that I've been preaching, I just turned 50 years old. Can you believe that? I hit the half century mark just, just a few weeks ago. 50 years old. 38 years I've been preaching. And in those 38 years, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, whether I've been working with people, ministering with people, or, or even shepherding and pastoring people that have sat there and said, hey, you know, I'm, I love you, man, but I'm going to move on. I, I just, I'm not getting fed. Okay, well, let me, let me pray over you and bless you and send you in love. And I know what's going to happen is just a few months later, they're probably going to have the same conversation with the next minister or next person they're working with. You know, I, I'm going to move on because that's our mindset, right? When you get bored with the TV show, you click to the next TV. When you show up to church, there's a mindset of entertain me, wow me, rock me out. You know, it's too dark in this church, too light in this church. You know, how y'all expect God to move? You don't even have any fog machines. Really? Seriously? Excuse my sarcasm. <laughs> we can't, actually, we do have a fog machine. We fog the chairs every week. Supposedly disinfect them. I don't know. I don't think COVID's sitting on those chairs after that. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. I believe it's Psalm 37 says this, trust God and do good. And then you'll have peace in the land. Amen. 
Trust God and do good. There it is, Psalm 37.3. Thank you, Aaron. I may, have, I may have hopped over that one. Trust in the Lord and do good. So have faith. Believe them. But then serve. Find somewhere to serve. Next week, we've got a service opportunity luncheon. For those who may be interested in helping with gathering kids, those of you who are already helping with gathering kids, and we've got some faithful servants that, that have been uh, uh, very faithful to, uh, uh, to minister. Uh, and and our, ideally, we want to get enough volunteers to where folks may only have to go out there maybe once every six weeks and help. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Where you give one Sunday every five, six weeks and, and you go help with our children. Everybody wants a rocking children's ministry, right? It's kind of like you know, the old adage, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. <laughs> That's really the plight of church plants. Can, can I just be honest with you? Let's be honest. Everybody wants to have church. Woo, come on, pastor, let's have church. And it's a church plant. Say, so you know what we need, pastor? I'll tell you what, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've had this conversation. And some of y'all are sick of me having this conversation with you. So you know what we need, pastor? We need this kind of ministry. We need one of these type of ministries, you know? Because the church I used to be in, man, we had this kind of ministry. It was awesome. That's what we need. We need one of these kind of ministries. Man, that sounds fantastic. You want to head it up? No. You know, when you're planting a garden, it's like, hey, you know, we need to grow some watermelon. Awesome. Grab a hoe and plant some watermelon seed for us. I can't do that. Man, I'm busy. Look, we're all busy. I became full-time pastor. I thought, woo, that's going to free me up, man. I could really pastor. Man, I'm busier than I ever was. Y'all running me ragged. But... Everybody wants to rock and man, we got to have an awesome children's group. Yes, I agree. Can you help? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nope, not me. Now, I'm not saying that to guilt anybody, okay? Look, I, I, I don't believe in trying to twist people's arm and manipulate you. The Bible says manipulation is the same as witchcraft. I don't want no witchcraft at work in my church, right? But ask the Lord, where can I serve? Hey, we need help setting up every morning. Or every, every Friday morning or Sunday morning. What, what day is this? What day do we have church? Every Sunday morning. We need, we need help setting up. Once a quarter, we pass out gift bags, you know? Uh, uh, and we typically are averaging right around 70 gift bags to new move-ins here in the neighborhood. It takes time. It takes effort. Uh, the more people we have, the, the quicker we can knock it out. And there have been some weeks that, man, we've taken most of the Saturday to do it. Uh, you know, we need help. Uh, they're, they're, like, like I said, we're, we constantly have opportunity to serve in some capacity. And if you want to grow, say, look, I'm, I've been attending this church. I want to I grow spiritually. Awesome. You're not going to grow spiritually from my sermons. I'm doing the best I can. You're not going to grow spiritually from, you're not going to grow spiritually from the Bible studies that we host. Everybody's doing the best they can with that too. Where you're going to grow, according to Ephesians, is when you start serving and building each other up. How do you build each other up? By getting together, 
hanging out. Say, well, I don't know anybody. Well, the Bible says if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. Start becoming a friend. So, well, nobody invites me over to their house. Well, maybe invite people over to your house. Why don't you start? Try something different, right? Actually be assertive. <laughs> if you can't say amen, say oh me. There you go. John chapter 6. Say, Pastor, you're losing your mind. That's not how church folk act. Whatever, look at what Jesus had to deal with. Now, earlier in John chapter 6, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Remember that story? 5,000 people. And he said, man, these people have been with me for a few days, listening to me preach. He tells his disciples, said, we need to feed them. They said, what? Where are you going to find food way out, way out in the boondocks? Where are you going to find food? He said, I don't know. What do we have? He goes, we got a few fish and a few loaves of bread. He said, awesome. Bring them to me. And he prayed over them, blessed them. He started breaking them up and dividing them. And he said, here. And he tells the disciples, he said, go feed them, right? So the disciples are feeding them. Now, the disciples could have said, man, we've been out here longer than they have. How come we can't eat? You need to feed me. But what did they do? They served. And they served and fed 5,000, right? It was actually more than that because it just, it just logged the men who were there. Didn't even count the women and children. So more than that. They fed. And know what they wound up with? It said that they had 12 baskets full of food left. 12 baskets full. So these men fed the multitude, and they wound up with a whole basket full to eat. Isn't it awesome to know that as you're serving, God's going to make sure you eat? As you're blessing people and doing your best to build people up, God's going to feed you. You know, that's one of the reasons why I hear all these years, 38 years of ministry, I've heard people say it all the time. Well, I would help, but man, I, I, gotta, I need to eat too. I need to hear preaching too. Look, don't, look, trust me on this. When you serve in some capacity, man, you get, I, I see people far more fired up after we go take turkey orders at the apartment complex. Y'all get far more fired up for Jesus after that when we all meet back in the parking lot and it's like, man, I got eight orders here. Man, I got 10 people. I got to pray with someone over there. Y'all get far more excited about that than y'all do any of my sermons. And I could get offended at that, but it's just I understand really the real, the real growth and the real maturity takes place when you're serving and building each other up, right? So all that takes place. And about that time, they all started chanting Jesus, right? This is the Messiah. Man, he fed us all this fish. You see this miracle he did. This is awesome. And it said about the time that he was... They were ready to crown him king. He disappeared. He's like, oh, no, that's not what this is about. And we do the same thing. Some preacher starts preaching incredible messages, or you start seeing God work through a man or woman of God, and we just, ooh, this is the next superstar. Put him on TV. Advertise their ministry. Put him on billboards. Let's pack people in. We do the same thing, right? Jesus disappears on him. He takes his 12. He says, come on, let's just sneak off. 
they wake up the next day, realize Jesus is gone. So they, they're out by the lake. They hop in some boats, go all the way back over to Capernaum to look for him. Then they find him. So this is where we're picking up in the story. Now remember, the day before, he just got through preaching his guts out and multiplying fish and loaves for him, right? And this was the mindset he had to deal with one day later. Verse 24, so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, "Woo, man, look at this. I tell you the truth. Man, I ain't even going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you straight up, tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. You didn't even realize what I was doing for you. You want to be with me because, woo, man, I did a really cool trick and I fed you. And that becomes the mindset of the modern day church. Man, who's tricking things up the best? You know, what kind of facility do we have to offer? Who's got the best light show? Who's got the coolest looking preacher? Look, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I will never win the coolest looking pastor. Okay? Man, our past, man, man, I'm going to this guy. You should hear him preach, man. He's got big old biceps. He's got, man, he wears awesome tennis shoes. He's, his beard is cool. It even smells good. You know? I had someone tell me, man, you ought to go check out this one pastor. Man, he's awesome, man. He preaches in flip-flops. I don't care what the man's praying. How about this? How about we just ask God, Lord, where do you want to plant me so that I can serve? And just trust God, have faith. And don't worry about anything else. Lord, am I pleasing you? Awesome. This is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter if you're at an apartment church with Tilly Bergen, if you're here, or if you're at a big mega church. If it's where God wants you, just have faith and serve. Why? Because when you serve, you start maturing. Amen? So he tells you, he said, look, I'm telling you, you want to be with me because I fed you. But you don't, he tells him, he said, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. In other words, don't worry about just this earthly stuff. You got impressed because I gave you food. You got impressed because we got an awesome coffee shop. You got impressed because we just built a big building. You got impressed because, man, we have fog machines, and you know what God does with fog machines, right? So, <laughs> he says, spend your energy. Here's a concept. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So look, I don't need your approval. God's already approved of me. So why don't you get more concerned and obsessed rather than food and tricked out things, seeking what I have to give, the eternal life, the spiritual things. Then he goes on, they replied. Notice, I love, I love how the NLT words us. Well, we want to perform God's works too. Here we are performing, right? Because man, if you go to a church and they don't put on a good performance, how's anyone going to want to sit in those pews, right? Come on, we got to perform right. Do I need to duck? They replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? 
I love what Jesus said. Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. This is the only thing you, oh, you want to do something? Well, this is the one thing, this is the only thing you need to do. Believe, have faith, trust. <laughs> I love it. Believe in the one he has sent. Just have faith. Have faith in me. That's all you need to do. Stop trying to make something happen. Stop trying to be all big. Stop trying to be showy. Stop being obsessed with this or what's cool or what's the next end thing or anything. Just have faith. That's what he's saying, right? But they answered. <laughs> now, he just got through showing out 24 hours prior, right? It says, but they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want to believe, if you want us to believe in you. Perform for us, Jesus. Do something cool. Come on, man. You're starting to get boring. We're about to go to the next guy. We're about to go to the next congregation. We're about to move on. Dance for us. Do something, right? Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? He just fed them 24 hours earlier with a few fishes and loaves. Now they're like, eh, what have you done for me lately, right? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. I love that. Moses, how, who are you compared to Moses? Man, Moses, he was the most awesome of the preachers. He was a man, he, if anyone shepherded us, it was Moses. And Moses knew how to do it. Man, he could manna fallen from heaven. He'd make them quail show up. He parted the Red Sea. Now that was some showmanship. That was coolness. Moses knew how to build a church. He gave us manna. I love what Jesus said. Verse 32, Jesus said, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. Moses didn't do that. <laughs> he said, my father did. That was God. You get all obsessed wanting Moses' autograph. He didn't do jack. That was all God, right? My father did it. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. He says, you're all obsessed with who's performing for you, who's impressing you. And yet God's sitting here trying to give you the true bread from heaven. And he goes on, he says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, it's me. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me, just have faith in me, will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. You've seen what I've been doing, and you still don't believe in me. Matter of fact, if you go on and read, he really starts talking about true commitment. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they said, well, that's, that's some heavy stuff. And the Bible said they left. He lost the whole congregation. And all that was left was his 12. And he looked at them and he said, are y'all going to leave too? And Peter said, go on and read it. He said, where would we go? He said, you speak the word of life. And he said, we believe. We actually believe. And we know God's glory. That's what it comes down to. Sacred service. Yet we've got a mindset amongst Christianity at large that says, nope, no, nope, nope, let me show up to church and feed me. Do something for me. 
entertain me, trick it out, keep my attention, because I'm about to turn the channel if you don't. And yet that's why we have a church by and large that is immature, a church that does not walk in victory. How many Christians that you, do you know, and I'm, and I'm not being condemning here, but let's just be honest, how many Christians do you know that fight depression as a lifestyle, that fight anxiety as a lifestyle, that fight anger as a lifestyle, the fight that, that it, just Christians that constantly seem defeated? Well, what is it, does it mean that God doesn't love them? No, God loves them. It means that it's immature. Why? Because when you mature in your faith, you understand that you don't have those things as a lifestyle anymore. You may have a challenging moment, but faith overcomes. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't camp out there. But, it, but maturity happens when a body of believers comes together and say, look, all we know is this is where God has us planted. And look, we ain't perfect, none of us, but we're going to get to work. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do. We're going to take the word of God that's being preached to us, taught to us, shared with us, and we're going to serve him, and we're going to encourage each other. And when that starts happening, spiritual maturity starts being unleashed, and folks start growing. God said he's going to grow a church. Guess what? One of the tools he's going to use, us serving his kingdom. Whether that's here in this fellowship, or whether it's in the greater world, whether it's your family, whether it's to your neighbors, whether it's on your job, when you start bringing him right in the middle of all that sacred serving, man, you'll start believing. Your faith level will go up, and that brings about maturity. He's maturing the saints. Let's all stand. I'm saying this with a smile on my face and love. If you're getting frustrated with yourself because you feel like I'm not growing in the Lord, before, now I'm always available to talk to, talk to me, come sit down with me, let's pray together, love it, but if you start Start getting frustrated at yourself because I don't feel like I'm growing in the Lord. I want you to ask yourself this. Before you come to me and say, Pastor Dave, you're not feeding me. I'm not growing. That could be true. Because, you know, we're all fishers of men. Different fish take different bait, right? Everybody needs different worms. We all eat worms, right? But ask yourself, where am I serving? How am I serving? What spirit do I have? What mindset do I have when I serve? And am I encouraging my brothers and sisters? Do you realize doing that is an act of faith? Because if you're truly walking in faith, you have needs, but you take them to the Lord. Lord, I know you're going to take care of them. So I release them to you. Now I'm free whether I'm not, I don't have to be obsessed with worrying about things. Now all of a sudden I'm free to go serve others. Why? Because God's going to take care of my needs. Let me help with your needs. It's an act of faith. And it helps you grow. Amen. Let's all pray. And we're going to sing one more time. A blessing. Amen. 
Father, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we are honored to be able to serve you. Help us to bring you into every aspect of our service because in doing so, it purifies it. And we get to serve without an agenda. We get to serve without expectation other than just knowing that you're taking care of us and knowing that your, your love will permeate through us and be a blessing to others. Draw us together in love. Draw us together. Help us to grow. Help us to mature in you as we serve each other. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone needs prayer, I'll be hanging out in the corner. I'd, I'd be honored to pray with you today. Amen. Love you guys.